is for a very uh, for a group of people very close to my heart. It's for all of you who don't have it all together. Uh, for sinners, today's for sinners. It's like me. Uh, if you don't have a problem with sin, if you've got it all together, you're probably better off going somewhere else for now. It's not, it's not your day. Um, but if, like me, you are someone who struggles with your sin, who struggles with yourself, maybe you're even someone who... Do you ever have, a, ever have days where you actually just kind of get sick of yourself? Do you ever have those days where you just go, I'm sick of me? Like, the way I act and the things I say and the things I think, I'm just, I'm tired of it. It'd be great to get away for a while, wouldn't it? Maybe have a holiday from ourselves. Today I'm talking about uh, three things. Number one, the full forgiveness of sins. Number two, the unforgivable sin. The Bible speaks of an unforgivable sin. That sounds a bit scary. And number three, grace that changes everything. Number one, all your sins are forgiven. I can say this, before I was a Christian, um, I was a great sinner. I'm going to get to me after as a Christian where I'm still a great sinner, but just say this, before I was a a Christian, I was a great sinner. I sinned freely. I loved sin. I desired sin, I coveted sin, and I wanted to have the sin that others had. Can you believe that? Yeah. I would say my life, before I was a Christian, was a confused mess. That's a a way of saying it. And somehow, into that mess, while I was in that mess, when I hadn't improved, in fact, when I was really... You know, crawling around, around, they say, as in the bottom of the barrel, God showed himself to me. And particularly, he showed me Jesus. And more beautifully, he showed me forgiveness of sins. And when I first became a Christian, and I don't know if this has changed that much, the thing that most gripped me was the fact that God could forgive my sins. I couldn't believe it. I was amazed by it. I was entranced by it. And I don't think that's changed that much still. That I learnt day one, on the cross, Jesus took all of my sins onto himself and then he took the punishment for my sins onto himself. Now, I had lots of struggles after I became a Christian. Uh, They haven't stopped either. But what I learnt very, not that many years after, as time went on, I learnt that forgiveness was complete through Jesus. Romans 6.10 says, The death he died, he died to sin once for all. Do you hear that? Once for all. How many of your sins were forgiven? All. How many times did that have to happen? Once. Or Hebrews 7.27, he, that's Jesus, was sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Once for all. After a few years of being Christian, when I started getting involved with a church of people who were very encouraging to me, I learnt this statement. I used to say this thing. If I used the word forgiveness, I would always use the word full with it. Full forgiveness. I would say full forgiveness. Fully forgiven. It was just my thing. 
because you are forgiven. It's fine to say you're forgiven, but when you say you're fully forgiven, it means 100% deal done. And I remember in the middle of that time, I was faced with this woman. I, I barely knew her. I'd seen her maybe once or twice before. And I had the opportunity to say one sentence to her in a Christian context before she was to walk away. One sentence. And I just said to her, I want you to know that um, you're fully forgiven. And she walked off. Actually, as she walked off, I thought I saw a tear in her eye, but I wasn't sure. Uh, About a year later, she said that that was the day she became a Christian. She heard that she was fully forgiven. She was racked with guilt before that. Do you believe that? Fully forgiven? You, I mean you. Do you believe that about yourself? Do you really believe? I mean, we should stop now. I mean, if you, if you haven't understood this. See, we were very influenced by an old preacher uh, in South Australia. And, and he told of when he was in the Adelaide Hills preaching. And uh, during the service, uh, some, uh, a, a couple of prostitutes came in and sat in this back row and listened to his message. And afterwards, he went and talked to them and they said to him, now, we heard what you said. And if what you're saying is true, if I believe in Jesus, then I could become a virgin again. And he said, yeah, that's right. How complete is the forgiveness of God? It is complete. If it's not complete, it's useless. Give up. If Jesus didn't forgive all our sins, if he didn't restore us completely, what a waste of time. Don't bother coming to church unless you're fully forgiven. Don't, don't even bother with the Bible. Not, don't worry about praying. It's pointless. If you haven't been fully forgiven, there's no point. But if you have been fully forgiven, hey, that's amazing. The forgiveness of sins, the Bible tells us, is a free gift when we trust in Jesus. For that forgiveness. We trust for that forgiveness, and guess what he gives us? That forgiveness. That complete forgiveness. So, before I was a Christian, I was a horrible sinner. When I became a Christian, and I believed that all my sins were forgiven, and they were, I actually, I was confronted only a two days, I think it was two days after I became a Christian, I realised that I was sinning again. And I was busted by that. But not half as busted as I was this morning when I woke up, knowing what a rotten sinner I was. <laughs> because I think to myself, how can a man who knows the wonderful gift of forgiveness go on sinning like I do? What a twit. <laughs> Is that how you say it? No, a twit's someone who reads Twitter. But anyway, um, surely... Sinning. I mean, before I sinned in ignorance. Now I, I sin in the light. Surely that's more serious. How awful, how contemptible to sin against the one I know and I love. And I know I, I preach it all the time, but uh, I have to own it for myself. I live and we live as Christians a life of complete reliance on the forgiveness of sins that came to the cross, at the cross now and forever. Do you understand that? 
I, we need to learn again and again that we rely on his forgiveness every day or that the, the blood of Christ, the death of Christ goes on washing us from our sins, goes on cleansing us. Now, Romans 1.17, uh, which is up there in small print. Uh, Sorry, yeah, you're right. That's okay. says, For it is the righteousness of God... So, for in it, the right, that's the gospel, the good news, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. From faith for faith? As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. That's ESV. If you would read the NIV, it would say, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. The Greek there says, for in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Okay. Where do we go in our lives? We go from faith, and where do we go? To faith. And where do we stop? (laughs) At faith. That's all we have. Do you understand? That is the thing that I am reminding myself of and that the, the gospel of Jesus Christ reminds me. We walk by faith. We don't go past faith. We trust, firstly, Jesus has forgiven all our sins. And then we go on to, and Jesus continues to forgive all our sins. We trust that. From faith to faith. Does that make sense? Because, as he says, the righteous shall live by faith. Are you righteous? How are you righteous? You're righteous by believing in Jesus. None of us are righteous without Jesus, are we? And yet, by faith, we are completely righteous. Completely washed, completely new. We are connected to Jesus who's forgiven our sins and he goes on cleansing and washing. And this is the most freeing thing that you will ever hear, if you could believe it. I remember the day I became a Christian, experiencing the washing of sins. It was a beautiful thing. Never be the same again. Jesus often in the Bible says this little statement, your sins are forgiven. He said it to a man who was paralysed. He was lowered through the roof by his friends and, and everybody thought, well, there's a good opportunity here for Jesus to heal him. And Jesus looks at this man who can't walk and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know if a lot of people in the room thought, well, that's a bit of a letdown. Uh, not the letdown, but yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, no, no, Jesus looked at that man and he knew what he needed most. His sins forgiven. Then no one believed him that he could forgive sins because that would mean he's God. So he said, so that you know that I've got authority to forgive sins, get up and walk. And he did. So they knew that day when that man walked out of there, they had seen a man forgiven of his sins. What a miracle. No greater miracle than seeing that. Or there was another woman who was weeping over her sins. In fact, she was weeping so much that her tears were falling down on Jesus' feet and she washed Jesus' feet with her hair and he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Isn't that awesome? Set free. Because there are a lot of people in this world who live weeping over their guilt and shame and who live paralysed by their sin. And Jesus said... By his action, by what he's done, your sins are forgiven. If you could hear that, you'd be made new. 
And then when Jesus was raised from the dead and he appeared to his disciples, it says in Luke 25, 45, he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead and on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached to his name, in his name to all nations, even Australia. He didn't say that, but he meant that. We're part of all nations, by the way. Okay. The word of forgiveness is flowing out to this guilty world, to enslaved men and women who can be set free by the forgiveness of sins. So, can you hear me for point one? All your sins are forgiven. Um, can I just say this again? We are not people as a church who go to uh, non-Christians and say, you could have your sins forgiven. We proclaim it's already happened. Jesus has already done it. Do you know that? Right? Is that real? What does John 1, 1 John 2, 2 say? With tears of great truth, Jesus died for our sins. But not only for ours, for the sins of the whole world. Okay. Point two, why am I going here? Why am I going to the unforgivable sin? Well, because we are people, if you're a Christian, you're probably a people like me who worry about that. Have I, or could I accidentally, or maybe, what would happen if I did the unforgivable sin and I did it and that's it, it's all finished? Maybe I could count myself out of forgiveness forever. So um, if you want to, uh, if, if, can that be bigger or otherwise? I'll read for you from Matthew 12, verse 22. Matthew 12, turn it sideways apparently, the same. Matthew 12, 22. And um, it, this is where we first hear, it's in all of the Gospels, but we heard this, hear this story of a possibility of unforgivable sin and it comes from Jesus. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do you do you do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can you enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of God will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. Ouch. Is that a strong word? It's no wonder people have concerns. Now, 
what was happening here. Jesus taught the people that he was the son of God, that he was the king. He was teaching them and he did miracles, right? And the people saw these miracles and some of the crowd said, could this be the son of David? In other words, could this be the one that was promised? Could this be the Messiah? They were, they were getting it. They were believing, right? They read the signs and they came to the right conclusion. But some of the Pharisees saw the same signs, they heard the same words, and they said, this Jesus is from the devil. That's what they were saying. His power comes from the devil. Now, Jesus, in, I'm not here to talk about this whole passage, but firstly, he shows that their argument is irrational. Yep. He shows your argument's stupid, right? Satan driving out Satan, devil defeating the devil. That's a stupid argument you've got, by the way. And then he says, you know, but every kind of sin and slander can be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of God will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. There's going to be a lot of sins forgiven, says Jesus. But there is one against the Holy Spirit that was not. Now, what does he mean? If you actually look online, you can find on YouTube, get this, you can get, I don't know what they're called, maybe they're bloggers or something. What are, what are people who make YouTubers? YouTubers, probably. There's these people, right? They might be on Instagram too. Who knows? They're atheists. And they make fun of this bit here. And so what they do is they, they'll come online and they'll video themselves deliberately slandering the Holy Spirit. Maybe use a whole lot of profanities against the Holy Spirit. See, see look at me, I can, I'm doing the unforgivable sin. Come on, kill me God. Uh, they do it as a joke. Is that the unforgivable sin? Is that what they're doing? Unfortunately not, as much as we might like them all to die. Um, <laughs> no, we wouldn't do that. because. <laughs> yeah, okay. We'll just move on. That's not actually what Jesus was teaching here, you see. What was going on here, Jesus was the son of God. And he was saying, he was doing miracles and saying, if you see these miracles, you know that I'm the son of God. I'm proving the point. Some people saw and believed. By the way, do you know this? You can't believe unless the Holy Spirit opens your mind to believe. Right? The Holy Spirit teaches you to believe. Okay. That's what was happening to these people. They're looking and they're going, I believe. The Holy Spirit's working in them. Okay. Even sinful people can understand the truth of Jesus when the Holy Spirit shows them. But there was this other group of religious people called the Pharisees. They heard Jesus' teaching, they saw the signs, and they knew it was true too. The Holy Spirit revealed it to them. And what did they do? They denied it. In fact, even worse, they said, this is a work of the devil. Knowing the truth... They said, this is the work of the devil. They were sinning against the Holy Spirit who was revealing the truth to them. They were denying the truth which they knew to be true. Okay. And Jesus says, this is an unforgivable sin to reject the word of the Spirit. It puts you in a very dangerous place and he actually says, eternally. We could try and play down those words. We can't actually. 
Good for us. Jesus knows the truth of this, you see. He is the only one who can see into people's hearts. He, remember it says, he knew what they were thinking. He knew what was going on in their heads. He knew what was going on in their hearts. Maybe it was all the Pharisees. Maybe it was just some. We know later some Pharisees become Christians, um, including Paul. We'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, maybe he was just giving them a great warning. Watch out, fellas. Or maybe for some of them he was pronouncing eternal judgment. Only he knows that. But in any case, this is a serious matter. True? In fact, I mean, unforgivable, unpardonable, we're talking serious here, aren't we? Yeah, we're talking eternity. If you hear the truth of Jesus and you know it's true and the Holy Spirit bears witness in your heart that that's a fact, then... To deny that, in fact, to call it evil, is a great sin. Can you see that? I'm just putting it there. That's how it is. Hebrews, in the Bible, later in chapter 6 and chapter 10, I'll just read part of it in chapter 6 now, talks about the same thing. uh, So Hebrews 6 verse 4, if you want to get that. Um, This is uh, later, but still talking about the the same thing when the Holy Spirit does his revelation to deny that. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. If the Holy Spirit tells a person the truth of the gospel, of what Jesus has done, and then that person, knowing the truth of it, rejects the truth, they lose their chance to be saved. That's basically what it says. Jesus has been crucified once for all. If you know that's the truth and reject it, well, you don't come back from that, as people say. The passage continues then uh, in Hebrews 6 verse 7. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful for those whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. In other words... You've got soil and the soil, the rain falls on the soil and it takes it in. Oh, by the way, we're often called soil in the Bible, aren't we? The rain comes in and some of that soil produces good crops. Some of that soil receives the same rain, the rain of the Holy Spirit, and produces thorns and thistles. It rejects the goodness of God after receiving it. That's what he's saying. Okay? And it produces bad fruit. This is a serious word. This is a sobering word, isn't it? Sobering means waking you up from your drunken stupor. Okay? Because sometimes in our world, sometimes in our lives, we get a bit drunk. Sorry, not drunk, physically. But we we become futile and useless in our thoughts. Be waken up by this. This is a serious word. Come to God through Christ. Receive the forgiveness of sins. 
Because now it's a sobering word, but he follows this by saying, even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. He's saying, now this is not you, but receive the warning. You believed the truth when the Holy Spirit showed you the truth. So you you're receiving a salvation. Okay. So all of this, there's a point two still. I'm not going to talk forever, I hope. But firstly, what is this about for us today? Firstly, I want you to see this. If you, many of us worry about committing the unforgivable sin, this is, the unforgivable sin is not for people who feel guilty and ashamed because they go on sinning. They are covered by the full forgiveness that came through Jesus Christ. Continue to walk by faith in the cross of his love. The fact that Christians are conscious of their sin, the fact that Christians hate their sin is a sign that they long to honour God with their lives. A sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is very different to calling the work of God a work of the devil when you know it's true. So that's different, isn't it? You don't accidentally do that, do you? You can't accidentally do the unforgivable sin. As Christians... We, res- we have the Holy Spirit working in us who brings conviction of sin. And the answer for us is to live by faith because the righteous will walk or live by faith. When we are convicted of our sin, then turn to Jesus and live by faith. The salvation that's freely given to us. So it- does that mean the unforgivable sin is not relevant today? Well, I'd like to say that, but that's not the truth. Actually, it is, as in the day of Jesus. We won't know when this is happening. We do not have the mind of Christ to see what's going on in people's hearts. But there will be people who will hear the truth of Jesus and reject it even worse, uh, publicly disgrace him. That's just a fact. Uh, Maybe it is some of those people online, I don't know. Maybe they do know the truth and they are rejecting him publicly. Well, that would be terrible for them. Uh, some people will put themselves in a place where they're unredeemable. We know that because Jesus said it. Like, remember the man in the parable who's invited to the wedding and he turns up not wearing the right clothes? I mean, just imagine you, you're invited to a wedding and you turn up with your greasy overalls. It's a bit disrespectful of the, of the groom and bride, isn't it? Yep. And he's chucked out. He refused to put on the robes of righteousness that he was given. Now, there are many, though, talking about that deliberateness, we don't know the heart of people there, but many, most people are just ignorant, like I was before I was a Christian. Pretty ignorant still. Many of the ignorant will be saved. We proclaim Christ to them and they can be saved. He is the one who will bring judgment. By the way, the next bit, it says he is not unjust. He knows what he's doing. Okay? But we can know this. If a person hears the word of grace and knows it's true by God's power and then rejects it, that's a reprehensible act. Okay. Point one. Jesus has come to bring full forgiveness of sins. Point two. There is an unforgivable sin 
which is ultimately rejecting Jesus when you know who he is, the Lord and Saviour of all. Point three. We've got to see that when it comes to sin, there is a sense where all people know the truth and reject it, but that's not the same as the unforgivable sin. But God's grace still comes to them. I'm going to go back to Romans 1, uh, uh, verse 17, and on from there. And um, thank you. You're doing a good job, whoever's doing that. Thanks. And I'll read to you what I've already read, verse 17. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness it is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The wrath of God or the anger of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known to them about God is plain to them. Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So that people are without excuse. People know from creation that God is real. They just go, yeah. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became foolish. Now Paul's making a big statement here. The anger of God is being revealed against sinful people. They're suppressing the truth. Suppressing means covering it up. Okay? You don't cover up a truth you don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? They're covering up a truth they know. You see, the funny thing is, when people know the truth but refuse, they become irrational. You ever hear those irrational arguments from people? And, they, and, they, and you think, they're talking crazy and you believe it. No, they don't. People who do irrational arguments are doing it because they don't believe it. And they're trying to hide from the truth, which they know to be true. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him nor gave him thanks. They knew God, but they wouldn't glorify or give him thanks. They refused to do it. I can say this. Before I became a Christian, I knew God was real. I didn't know much about Jesus. I never heard that word for some reason. I knew he was there. I had a consciousness of God before I became a Christian. Didn't mean I, didn't mean I followed him. Or I had a pretty uh, whacked out view of what he really was like. But when the Holy Spirit came with a revelation of the salvation, then I knew it. You see, many in this world know that God is there. They know, they know he's real, but they will not believe until they hear the word of the gospel, the good news of the forgiveness of sins of what Christ has done. And when they hear that word, then they'll believe. But until they hear that word, they will not. Their thinking is futile. Their hearts are darkened. But later they can still believe. They haven't committed the unforgivable sin here. They haven't rejected the cross knowing that it's true. They just know that, that people, it, it's commonly the case that people who become Christians have always kind of known there's some God. They just haven't got him. Do you understand? Who's writing this, by the way? This is Paul. Paul is speaking from his own experience. He was a very religious man and he wanted to honour God by living a perfect life and he thought he was very good. He hadn't trusted in Jesus, had he? Now, by the way, if there was anybody who was up for doing unforgivable sins, it was Paul. What was he doing? 
persecuting, murdering Christians. Should anyone who murders Christians be like given eternal life? Surely that's unforgivable. Well, I'll tell you something this. Paul was a very evil man and God is a God of incredible grace. Incredible grace. Now, I can say this knowing I believe I'm worse than Paul. But Paul met Jesus on the road to Damascus and God showed that incredible grace. He forgave his sins, he restored him and then he made him a preacher to tell other people about Jesus. And at first, no one would go near him. Yeah, yeah, right, he's going to kill us too. God is a God of grace, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Can you hear that? Do you know what grace is? God forgives wicked people. That's us. He forgives sinners. And by the way, he continues to forgive sinners who go on sinning. Whew, this is good news. His grace flows like a river. His goodness and his love, it still comes to us and he's restoring busted up, broken down, beat up people like us. Yep. Who get sick of ourselves sometimes. Well, God, through Christ, doesn't get sick of you because he's forgiven all your sins. Can you hear that? He's not getting sick of you. Right? Paul was completely level when Jesus spoke to him and everything changed because grace changes everything. Grace is a gift of God. He freely gives his gift. If you read Paul's letters, and I did this this morning, I went through every one of Paul's letters, and within about the first four verses, most of them start with grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace. And then in Romans, he goes on, and we've received grace. Why does he start with that? Because, man, he knew it. He knew what a rotten person he was, and the grace of God came to him. Do you know this? God saves sinners through Jesus Christ. That's us. Paul knew his life, his salvation, his forgiveness was all of grace and nothing whatsoever to do with him being a good person. That's where we live. That's where I live. That's all I have. Jesus. That's all we have. Jesus. Oh, and a father who loves us. And the Holy Spirit who reveals to us the truth of the gospel again and again because we need it. Actually, we've got everything, really, haven't we? We don't need anything else. Just Jesus. For in the gospel, the good news, a righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Believe it. Believe the truth. You know it, believe it. 